turning your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, we've, been, we've been talking over these last few weeks about our core values, and, uh, and, and basically our core values at Summit Church are the five marks of a disciple. Um, so the first one is a passion for Jesus, right? If we're going to be a disciple of Christ, we've got to have a passion for him. A second one is a knowledge of the scriptures, right? That the word of God has to be foundational in our lives and uh, important, and then we've got to have a heart and passion for the word of God, the truth of the scriptures. The third one is community, right? That, that we're a family, that we're created for community, that Jesus is the center of that community. We can have all of the the um, the potlucks and cookouts and um, pig pickings that we want to, right? That's a thing down south, right? But, uh, but, but we can have all of those that we want to and, and not have true biblical community because Jesus isn't at the center of it, right? And so, um, and so this is important. And then today we're kicking off our fourth one, our fourth core value as a church, and that is a heart for the lost. Now, as I was thinking about this term and as I was thinking about how this is set up this past week, I was thinking, you know, where do we, where do we get this term lost, right? We actually get it from Jesus. Next Sunday, I'm going to be doing a message on how Jesus came to seek and save those who were lost. And so he founded this term of those people that don't know him, those people that aren't going to heaven for eternity yet, right? That, that, that they are lost, right? Because when you think about what Jesus brings, when he brings life, he brings purpose, he brings hope, and a relationship with him brings those things, gives those things, right? If you don't have Jesus, you don't have those things, right? Therefore, lost. And so our heart is to be a church that is, is, is broken for those that don't know him. Because there's a term, there's a term, and I, and I don't know if everybody knows the term, but I want to talk about the term. Has anybody ever heard of the term holy huddle? Anybody? Okay, two of you. All right, very good. Okay, just because you were here this morning, but that's okay. That's okay. All right, right, all right. Jeff's already heard this twice, but uh, but holy holy huddle, right? And we get that term, right? We get that term because it's a group of Christians that are huddled up, right? Typically, within the four walls of their church, that have no regard for the people outside of those four walls, right? And so. We're focused, we're inward focused, we're focused on ourselves, right? And, and, and we have no regard for what's happening outside of the four walls of our church. Now, we're going to look at the church at Corinth tonight, okay? And, uh, and we know, probably because you've heard me talk about it quite a bit, if you ever want to be encouraged about your church, just read the book of Corinthians, first and second, Right? But at this point, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul's rebuked, Paul's corrected, right? And now he's starting to lay the, lay the foundation for how he wants them to go from here, right? How he wants them to get back to work, how he wants them to serve, kind of laying out the job description for the church at Corinth. And we're going to start in verse 5 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to go through the end of the chapter. You guys ready? All right. He who has prepared for us, he who has prepared us for this very thing is God who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. 
Now, I want to stop right there for just a second. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Now, this lines up exactly with Jesus' teaching, right? John 14, I'm going to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I would have told you, but don't fret. This is the Travis translation. When I go, I'm going to send for you a helper, right? And that word helper in John 14 is capitalized. Why? Because he's referring to the Holy Spirit, right? He's referring to the Holy Spirit, the helper. Acts 1.8, uh, uh, re- you will be my witnesses when the Holy Sp- you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Jesus promises the Holy Spirit as a guarantee to be the power, the source of power in the life of a believer. And what Paul is reminding the church is this, before we get to your job, before we get to what's next, before we get to the foundation of who you are and who I've called you to be as the church, you've got to remember, you've got to remember two things. Number one, you're not alone. And number two, I've already given you the power to accomplish what I've called you to accomplish, both through the Holy Spirit, both through the Holy Spirit. And so tonight, two things for you, right off the bat, from one verse. You're not alone. And secondly, God has already equipped you with everything you need to do what He has called you to do. To do what He has placed in front of you. Now, that's just one verse. We've got 15 more. Okay. Verse 6. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we're away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and home with the Lord, eternal perspective. Verse 9, so whether we're at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him, for we must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Verse 11, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We're not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it's for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us. Because we've concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised from now on, therefore. We regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting the trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we're ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God for our sake. He made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Whew. Now, I know, as I've already preached this twice today, okay? But I know 
there are about five messages in here, right? There's some good, there's some good stuff in here. The old, we're, behold, you're a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. The love of Christ controls us. Oh, that the church would have the love of Christ control us. He made him to be sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And typically, I would take a chapter like this and I would try to break it down and we would probably get four or five weeks out of this one chapter and we're going to do all of it in the next 20 minutes. <laughs> right? At least before Beals closes. Okay? But the verse I want to focus on is, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We're ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. And the question we have to ask ourselves, what's an ambassador, right? What's an ambassador? We think about this, right? And we even throw this around from time to time. Hey, we're ambassadors for Christ. Well, what's an ambassador? What's a good ambassador? An ambassador in his core term is a representative, and so when you have a U.S. ambassador in another country, their role is to represent the United States of America, right, in that country, to the people that they come in contact with. That's an ambassador, right? Uh, we, we have all kinds of ambassadors right now. Uh, if, you, if, you look at the, if you look at the hospital, right, there's, a, there's what's called a dietary ambassador, right, which means that if you're in the hospital, if you're admitted in the hospital and you know, you're up there, you have someone that goes to bat for you that represents you in the hospital cafeteria. So if you have allergies, like I'm allergic to vegetables, right, when they go in the cafeteria, right, they would make sure that if a tray was delivered in your room, it didn't have anything on your tray, right, that you wouldn't be able to eat, right, so that you could, you could approach that tray confidently because there's an ambassador that's looking out for your dietary needs and restrictions. There's a patient ambassador at the hospital that if you ever felt like you're being mistreated, right, um, or, or, or something like that, especially over the last you know, while as, 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 as family members haven't been able to, to be in the hospital and, and, and all those different things with folks, right, they could call a patient ambassador who would go and kind of be the go-between between the patient and the doctors and the nurses, try to get information out and, and so on and so forth. They're a representative for the patient, right? That's an ambassador. And our call as the body of Christ and what Paul is calling the church at Corinth back to is saying, hey, listen, you're a representative of the ministry and the work of Jesus, right? You're a representative for this ministry of reconciliation. I've bestowed upon you the ministry of reconciliation, right? Jesus came and did the work. Right? Jesus came and paid for the sin. Jesus came and made the sacrifice. Right, He hung on the cross. Jesus came and resurrected and has gone to prepare a place for us. Your calling is to represent that with your life. Right, the, Our response as Christians, as Christ followers, right, is to represent that. Now, here's the way we like to do that. Okay, This side of the room, right? I know the feeling. I think that's a really good idea for that side of the room to do. Don't you? Right? That's a really good job for that side of the room to do. And what I'm going to do is I'm just not really going to represent anything. 
right? I'm not really just going to represent anything. I might show up from time to time. I'll wave at you. I'll smile at you, right? I may drop something in the offering bucket, right? But, but I, I don't really feel like it's my job or my calling or my responsibility to represent Christ in this way all the time. Right? Right? Right this side of the room? I mean, that, that, that feels good. So what we'll do on this side of the room is we'll point the rest of the message this way. Right? And give these guys the responsibility of being ambassadors for Christ, carrying the ministry of reconciliation. And, and listen, right? I mean, I mean th- this is how we operate. Whether, whether, we, whether we do it with others or not, maybe for, maybe for some of us in the room... Yeah, you know what? This message is awesome. It's fitting. I get it. I'm called to be an ambassador. And maybe when I retire and I've got more time on my hands, I'll get to that. But right now, I'm focused on too many things outside of church that I can't really think about this. Well, let me tell you something. When we give our lives to Christ, right? Remember that Savior that hung on a cross for our sins to pay the debt. It doesn't work like that. We don't put God in a box where we can just pull him out, right? Where we can just engage with him for an hour on Sundays and call it good and then go live however we want to live. This lifestyle of a Christian that calls us to be an ambassador is indeed that, a lifestyle, not a hobby. Two, hear me now, hear me now. I'm, listen, y'all saying which stirred me to preach. We didn't go here in either one of the services this morning, but y'all sang, so it's your fault. Okay? Y'all sang, so it's your fault. Right? Too many Christians that fill the seats of our churches treat Christianity and this Jesus thing as a hobby instead of a lifestyle. And I have a hard time with that because I don't believe that God made him to be sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in him so that we could treat him like a hobby whenever we felt like it or whenever we had time for it or whenever it fit into our schedule. We're an ambassador for Christ. Hear me now. We're an ambassador for Christ first. 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 That means above your job. That means above your kids. That means above your marriage. That means above all. I am first called to Christ. Y'all with me? Okay. So, how are we called to represent? Three things Paul talks about here in this passage. The first one is this, in confidence. We kind of already talked about it, right? Because he refers back to the guarantee. The guarantee. Everybody say guarantee. guarantee. All right, just making sure the five of you are following me. Okay. The guarantee of the Holy Spirit, right? The guarantee of the Holy Spirit. And that the guarantee of the Holy Spirit gives the believer the confidence to share their faith, right? Because the thing that we hear often, the thing that we hear often is, oh, pastor, that's just not my gift. That's just not my gift, right? I've got, I've got um, Ezra, he's a five-year-old boy. He's turning six in a couple weeks, and I was picking him up from school this past week, and you would have thought I was picking up the mayor of Gorm, okay? Uh, <clears throat> Ezra's walking out of the school into his car, and he says bye to every teacher by name. 
uh, Aunt Cindy was in the truck uh, behind me, a couple cars back, and he saw Aunt Cindy and his cousin Alex and and Ben, his cousin, walking to the truck, and he called to all of them by name and gave them a little wave, right? Gave them a little wave. I don't know whose kid this is, right? And and then and we were talking about it yesterday, and and uh, and my mother-in-law looks at me and she's like, "Oh, so now you know what it's like to hang out with you, right?" But 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 Ezra, <laughs> but Ezra clearly has a gift, right? Ezra clearly has a gift, and he enjoys talking to people, right? He enjoys talking to people. Other people, right? They see how few people they can talk to on a daily basis, right? And there's those two ends of the spectrum, right? Ezra's going around. He wants to engage with every person that he can while other people are walking around saying, do they see me? Right? Do they see me? Regardless, regardless, here's what I want you to hear in this, right? The guarantee of the Holy Spirit is this, that God has given you a platform, whether you're an Ezra or whether you're an opposite, right? Whether you're another end of the spectrum, right? That God has given you a platform to, to share the gospel, to be an ambassador, and he's given you the Holy Spirit to enable you and equip you and give you the power to do so. To do so. Let's look back here. So we're always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage. We would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Paul knows, and he's reminding the church at Corinth, listen, this is not our home. Scripture refers to us as aliens and strangers in this land, right? So we prefer heaven. That is home, and our confidence is found in that we are going there one day, one day. But whether we're at home or away, we make our aim to please Him. Our aim is to please Him. Our aim is to please Him. Confidence of who God is in our lives, right? We're called to be ambassadors that walk in confidence of who God is in our lives. One commentator called it a dwelling confidence, an abiding confidence, right? That as we go, we just have this, this default confidence that we're walking in the Lord. Whether we're talking to a bagger at Hannaford, or a friend that we haven't seen, or someone that we see at church every week, that we have this confidence in the Lord. Second one. Second one. With urgency and love. With urgency and love. So look at what Paul says here in verse 11. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. Knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. That's like when you, uh, when you eat at a good restaurant, right? A restaurant maybe you, haven't, maybe you haven't been to, or, 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 or maybe it's new or what have you, right? You, you go eat at a restaurant, and, uh, and, and the, the, the next time you see your friends or the next Sunday morning you go, you go to church, what's the first thing you do? You tell the people around you, right? You tell the people around you about this incredible restaurant you just ate at, right? About this incredible restaurant you just ate at. And so you share it, right? And what you're trying to do in that is persuade others to go and have a similar experience that you experienced because it was so positive, right? That is the same idea that Paul is getting at here with the church, right? Well, I mean, I mean, think about what Jesus, 
says we're called to be salt and light, right? I mean, think about a, think about a saltine with no salt. Tastes like cardboard. It's like the stuff we have for communion, right? I mean, it's like, it's, 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 not, it's not good, right? It's not good. Um, and what happens when a saltiness loses its flavor, right? The light of the world. We're called to be the light of the world, salt and light, right? And, and, and in the same way, Paul is talking about here, persuade others, right? Persuade others. Make Christ attractive by living your life for him and telling others about him, right? With a sense of urgency and in love. Paul's main point was that Jesus died for them and anyone who believes in him no longer lives for themselves for the love of Christ controls us. For the love of Christ controls us. For we, if we're, if we're, if we, uh, go to verse 13. For if we are beside ourselves, it's for God. If we are in our right mind, it's for you. For the love of Christ controls us. The sense of urgency. And then love. And then lastly, through his power. Through his power. Right? Through his power. From now on, Therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. We regard no one according to the flesh. Right? When we look at all people in light of eternity, when we look at all people in light of eternity, what do we see? That everyone needs Jesus. That everyone needs Jesus. Hear me. There is no greater, I, I believe, that there is no greater hatred in the world today than to look at someone and say they don't deserve Christ. Right? It, it, there's, there's no deeper hatred than to look at someone and say to myself, I'm not going to share with them because I'm not sure I could spend eternity in heaven with them. Now, hear me. I don't believe that anyone in this room would ever have that thought pattern. But my question is, my question is, when is the last time that we've talked to someone that doesn't know Christ about a relationship with Christ? When is the last time you shared something with somebody close to you that you know doesn't have a relationship with Jesus in an attempt to make Jesus attractive to them in their life? Right? And, and I know that even, the, the way that even sounds doesn't even sound right because, well, I don't have to make Jesus attractive. He's attractive in himself, so I just have to preach the truth. I, yeah, I get that, right? But it almost feels like sometimes when we're hanging out with a group of people that don't know Christ, we downplay the work of Christ in our lives. We downplay what God's doing in our area. I was talking to a couple people this afternoon, and they're like, man, we're just so excited about what God is doing in this area, about this movement that's happening, that God is on the move. And they were just praising everything that God's doing at Summit, right? And I was like, I, I, I just was like, yeah, I was kind of blown away. And this thing was happening within me to kind of downplay that, right? For fear that I didn't want to sound prideful, I didn't want to sound boastful, I didn't want to... But, but, but they weren't trying to put that on me, right? And my response was, praise God 
that he's in control because there's no way any of us are capable of what God is doing in and through Summit Church right now. There's just no way. There's just no way. But this, this, there was this temptation in me to downplay the work of God because I didn't want to sound prideful or boastful, right? Instead of celebrating all that God's done. And we do that with people that are on different sides of the aisle, right? That vote differently than us, right? I even did it yesterday, confession time. I coached a couple basketball games yesterday. We won them both. It was all coaching. Kids had nothing to do with it. The second game, we only won by five points. Only won by five points. And the other coach was driving me bonkers, Justin. He was driving me bonkers. And about halfway through the second half, I had to start talking to the ref about him. Because I knew if I didn't start talking to the ref about him, then I was going to start talking to the other coach about him right? About himself, right? And I, I told the ref, I'm like, that's the last thing I need, because he knew I was a pastor. And I, and I looked to him, and I said, I got to complain to you, because if I complain to him, that might turn bad. And the last thing I need on a Sunday morning is the front page of the Portland Press Herald to say, pastor gets punched, right? <laughs> At XL Sports World on Saturday afternoon, winning a basketball game, right? Because I was a winning coach, and I was still annoyed, right? With this guy. Right? And I started thinking in the truck on the way home, I was feeling good too, man. Because I just, I wanted to win that game so bad. I was about to go out and play myself. Right? <laughs> just to make sure we won. All right? And, and, but I was thinking on the way home, I was like, man, why did that guy bother me so bad? I don't even know his name. I don't even know what state they're from. Right? But he just, he just irked me so bad. Right? And people do that, don't they? But we have to be careful. We have to be careful. And I'm not, I'm not trying to slap anybody's hand but my own, right? That, is, that as we walk, that we're faithful, that we're faithful, and that we don't withhold the truth of God's word and what he's doing in our lives from anyone. From our neighbor that bothers us, gets under our skin, from that, from that fellow church member, that just doesn't seem to get it, right? And sometimes, sometimes you just want to walk up to them and just shake them and be like, do you even see? Do you even see, right? And don't lie and say, oh, I would never, I would never think that pastor. I know. But it's the love of Christ that controls us. It's the love of Christ that controls us. And so Paul's talking about by his power, we do this. Not in our own power, because if it was in our own power, I'd be on the Portland Press Herald today. <laughs> and the last thing I want to point out to you from this, from this, from this passage about the confidence that, that we find in Christ is something that Ashley and I were, were talking about in between services this morning. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Further confidence, right, that you are fully equipped to do the work that God has called you to do. That's past tense. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. 
You're equipped to do the ministry of reconciliation that God has called you to do. You're equipped to be a representative for Him in whatever platform He's given you. Whatever voice He's given you. God has given some of you a voice in cars that I don't have. God has given you some of you a voice in, in, in areas that I don't have. Right? That I don't have. And God's given me a voice in areas that He hasn't with you. So there's three areas that I want to challenge you to be an ambassador in. Three areas I want to challenge you to be an ambassador in. The first one is this. Be an ambassador of salvation. Be an ambassador of salvation. Be a representative of salvation. Be a representative that Christ, just like Dylan was saying, don't be passive about the love of God, right? That there's a Savior that came for you. He made him to be sin who knew no sin that we, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world, right? And we are called to be ambassadors of that salvation. And think of the Great Commission. Go into all the world and make disciples. Baptizing them in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always, even to the ends of the age. Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always, even to the ends of the age. Even in that, we see three different gifts, don't we? I mean, when you think about, when you think about that, right? The goers aren't the teachers. More often than not, the goers aren't the teachers. The teachers aren't the goers, right? The starters aren't the finishers. The finishers aren't the starters. We see that, right? And even in the Great Commission, we see three roles that the church can fill. Go, right? We need people to go. We need Ezra's to go and make relationships, to go and persuade others, right? To come into relationship with Jesus, to, to, to show them their brokenness, to bring to light their need for a Savior, right? Of all nations. So we need people to go and do that overseas. We need people to go and do that in, 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 in Texas and in Florida and um, uh, definitely in Florida. I'm sorry. I did not mean that. Definitely in Georgia. Not Florida. Well, Florida too. Okay. Right, right. Everywhere, right? And we need people to do that in Gore. We need people to do that in Westbrook. We need people to do that in Portland. We need people to do that in Saco, right? We need people to do that in Winthrop and, 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 and Cornish, right? We, we need people to go and to be faithful where they are and to make disciples. But then we need teachers to rise up that would say, hey, I'm not a goer, but I'm a teacher. I could sit with somebody over coffee and I can talk about the Bible with them for days, right? And so then, then that goer passes off to a teacher, right? And then we need some people that sit up. We've got some faithful people on Wednesday nights that just come here and pray and pray and pray. I've got some people in my life that, that remind me and that, that, that will text me every Sunday afternoon and say, hey, I'm not a goer. I'm not a teacher, but I want to remind you of the presence of God. I want to remind you of the presence of God. I had somebody text me last week, and all the, all the text read was this. You're nothing without Christ. 
That's encouraging, right? That's a reminder, right? I'm nothing without Christ. For apart from Him, I can do nothing. And all that person is doing is reminding me of the presence of God in my life. As Jesus stated in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Behold, I'm with you always, even to the ends of the age. We need people within the church that will hold up the arms of the teachers and the goers. Right? In salvation. So again, I'll ask you, when's the last time you talked to someone about a relationship with Jesus? Not even an invitation way. When's the last time you just checked in and said, hey, you know what? I, we haven't talked about Jesus in a while. Where do, where do you stand with Christ? We can get so wrapped up, can't we? We can get so wrapped up in all of this, right? We can get so wrapped up in current events. We can get so wrapped up in the church stuff, the machine that the church is, that we don't even check in on each other. Hey, how's your relationship with Jesus? Right? When's the last time you've done that? We're called to be ambassadors of salvation. Number two, an ambassador of righteousness. We've already touched on this, so this one will be real quick, right? We're called to be salt and light. We're called to be salt and light. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father is in heaven. Set an example for those who don't know. Practice holiness in your life. Ambassadors of righteousness. When people look at you, do they know something's different? When people look at you, do they know something's different? And then number three, ambassadors of love. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. By this, all will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. First John 4.20, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. We're called to be ambassadors of love. Right? We're called to be ambassadors of love. And if you're anything like me, and some of the people I have conversations with, one of the first things we do, and we've kind of, we've kind of talked around this tonight, when we hear a message like this, is to make all the excuses. Right? Well, I haven't been a Christian long enough. I don't know the Bible enough. The oldest passed away. Behold, the new has come. Right? Well, I, I don't want to turn anybody off. I don't want to turn anybody off. The first thing that we should do is pray. Amen? I mean, God, give me an open door to share you. Give me an open door to share you. If I'm going to Beals tonight, I heard Dan's buying. Okay? If I'm going to Beals tonight, God, give me an open door to share you. If I go to Hannaford tonight, give me an open door to share you. Before I leave tonight, God, give me an open door to check in on one of my family members about where they're at with Jesus. One of my church family members about where they are with Jesus. Paul goes into chapter 6 anticipating that the church would probably start to make some excuses. 
And I just want to read this to you. The worship team is going to come. We're going to get prepared to sing our last song. I want to read to you these last words of Paul. They're not his last words. He goes in to talk about more things, but the last things that we're going to look at tonight. He says in chapter 6, Working together with him, then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, In a favorable time I listened to you, and in the day, in a day of salvation I've helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We've put no obstacle in anyone's way, so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, by great endurance, in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech, and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. We've spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You're not restricted by us, but you're restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak to you as children. Widen your hearts also. You know, halfway through that passage that we just read, it gets pretty intense, doesn't it? In afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger. Yeah, we don't know persecution yet. But the crux of what I want you to hear there is the end. Paul takes every excuse away. And he says, I'm speaking to you as children. Widen your hearts. Open your hearts. And my prayer for us this week has been, God, break our hearts for what breaks yours. Break our hearts for the people that we do life with that don't know you. That the love of Christ would control us in such a way that we live to persuade others about Him. And I don't know about you, but that's something I want to be known for. That's why we're building the building we're building, isn't it? I mean, if we weren't building a building for the community, we would just build something a lot smaller and more affordable. But we're trying to build something where people would come, where people would find Jesus. I don't know. I don't know about you, but I feel a sense of urgency more than I have in a while that people need Jesus. They need hope. 
And we're called to be the ambassadors of that. And so I'll apologize in advance that as I've prayed for you this week, I've prayed that your heart would be broken tonight. Not by something I said, because I didn't really say anything other than what's here in the Scriptures, but by the Scriptures and the words of Paul. That this is what we're called to. A heart for people that don't know Christ. That we would not be distracted by our own affections. But that we would be consumed with a heart for people knowing Christ. God, I pray for each and every person in this room. For every person that's heard this message today. God, that you would break our hearts for what breaks yours. God, we've sung about your love. We've talked about your love. We've talked about your call on our lives. And so God, tonight I pray that you would stir every heart with a passion for you. As we leave this place, that we would be centered back on knowing you and making you known to the people that we come in contact with. May we embrace the platform you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen.